Hello ninjas and ninjets and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales from your website. And in this episode, I'm joined by Matt Ovenden, who runs and owns borrowaboat.com. Now, Matt's come onto the show to talk about crowdfunding because his business, Borrow a Boat, has just raised, uh, well, their target was to raise 200,000 and they've just completely obliterated that. They're currently at double that target and there's still some time left at the time of recording this. So uh, by the time you listen, they've probably absolutely smashed that and I wouldn't be surprised if they're at half a million raised uh, to scale their digital marketing and to scale the business. So Matt tells us about how they've done that, what they did to get the attention on the campaign and uh, also what his plans are for Borrow a Boat as well. So really fascinating guy, great story and I hope you find this really interesting. Don't forget, if you're looking for some help scaling your business and you want some more leads and sales through your website, that is exactly what my company Exposure Ninja does for businesses around the world. So head over to ExposureNinja.com and request a free marketing review. In this review, we'll take a look at your website, your digital marketing and your competitors, and we'll show you exactly what you can do to generate more leads and sales. It's completely free of charge, it's genuinely awesome, and there's no catch at all. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy the show with Matt. Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having us on. No worries. So for people who are unfamiliar with Borrow a Boat, perhaps you could give us a quick elevator pitch. I'm sure you've done that a few times in the last month about what the business is and uh, what you're doing with it at the moment. Sure, absolutely. So Borrow a Boat is the easiest way to describe it is like an Airbnb for boats. Um, we're letting letting private boat owners uh, charter their boats out for extra revenue and we're bringing these boats to the charter market at the same time. So we're helping boat owners, we're helping charterers. Been going just under a year now, and we've got um, over 13,000 boats on the website across 60 countries. And we're trying to make boating more accessible. We're trying to open it up, make it more affordable, bring more choice, make it flexible, easy to book, accessible, and no experience is required because you can have a skipper to any of our boats. Fantastic. And... You're going through crowdfunding at the moment, which we'll we'll talk about later. But before we do that, I just want to ask, how did you identify this market? Why choose boating and why choose this approach? Sure. Okay. I mean, um, so I, I've done a few startups, um, but not in the boating world. I've done three in, um, in the clean tech space and renewables the last few years. And I was exiting one last year. But boating was in my mind, I think, because I grew up boating. And um, so I've always been relatively close to it. But uh, I was thinking of buying a boat and getting into boating last year as I was leaving this last company. But it was struck by the the poor financial case for actually owning a boat. High upfront cost, high running cost, and just a few weeks usage every year. And it got me thinking about boats quite a lot at a time when I happened to have just left my last business. So I probably had time to mull it over and was looking for the next business idea. And separately, um, I, I love the sharing economy. I mean, I was studying. I've been mean, studying and working in sustainability previously, and the sharing economy, I believe, is a sustainable principle. Uh, shared use of assets and you know, monetizing underutilized assets, and evolving 
things from a product where everyone has to own their own one to a service where multiple people can consume the same product is ultimately um, a great principle of the future in our times. You know, we've, we've had our household names appear in the last few years, such as Airbnb, Uber, Spotify, Zipcar, all transforming our lives driven by the internet. So it's the biggest digital trend of our age is the sharing economy. And I'm fascinated by it. I use, I'm a regular user of it. And I'm thinking about where it's going to go next. Boats seems, seems like an obvious one. They're, they're, they're the most underutilized asset. They must be. They sit there 300 plus days a year in marinas. The marinas are full of boats that don't go anywhere. And owners are generally a dissatisfied bunch. So it just seemed like the right fit and no one was doing it. So we thought it's something I know a bit about. I know about growing businesses. I know a bit about boats. I know a bit about the sharing economy. So let's let's give this a go. And from that initial idea, Airbnb of boats is such a compelling tagline, isn't it? How did you identify the the demand and how did you ascertain that there was a, a valid business case for this? Sure. So, I mean, we, we did, did a whole period of research. We, we went talked to lots of boat owners. We went down to the Mediterranean, spoke to lots of boat owners down there, marinas. And it was becoming clear that it is a common pattern, even in the Med, even in the hot countries where you think they would sell the boats much more often. Still, boats often don't leave marinas. It's just a characteristic of boat ownership. that the, It tends to be that the owners are busy people and only have them there for when they want to use them, but they're idle so often. So that was a really clear point. And also I know from, I mean, I know I know a few people who own boats. My dad has a yacht and, and you know, we had boats when we were growing up. And he's always telling me about the cost of boats and how his, his friends with boats uh, find it frustrating how much boats need constant uh, injections of money to fix them and maintain them. So I, I knew that side of it. I knew the boat owner side of it. And then the charter side of it is, um, well, I'm the customer, I guess. I was looking for boats to charter. I was looking for a catamaran for, a, I've got young kids. And so I, was, and you, I couldn't find one for love or money to, to charter in the UK. This is, this is ridiculous. There's loads of them in the marinas. The marinas are full of the boats that I would love to charter, but no one, they weren't available to charter. So I was seeing that everywhere. So I thought it was a real gap in the market and, you know, chartering boat charter boats do exist but they're quite expensive they're going up and up and up and the choice isn't huge so yeah that was the two sides to it really then we we researched it and researched it we spoke to boat owners and people were willing very keen to list their boats and people were very keen for more choice of charter so we sort of went from there and you've built quite a a digital marketing focused team haven't you how did you decide who to put in place and and what was your strategy around building the team how many people did you decide that you needed and, and how did you go about that yeah well um it was a case of we knew it this needed to be a tech company these you know, this needed to be a tech company driven by the internet online with digital marketing with an app which we're planning now for next year with a great website and it you know part of making it accessible it needed to be that sort of business so we started learning lots about digital marketing and SEO. My last businesses haven't been digital tech companies necessarily. They've had aspects to do with that. But so um, it was a case of learning. We started working with a great web developer who was a great fit for us. And we started learning a lot. And I said we started the web project. We I've read a book called The Lean Startup, which is a great book, which uh, is a big, um, the whole mantra of that book, I recommend to anyone who's interested, is to 
test, get to market as fast as possible, test yourself, test, dip your toe in the water, so to speak, and uh, get feedback from the market as soon as possible before you spend much money on anything. So in, in line with that, we built a minimum viable product website early on, got to market, started getting feedback, and then we could tell what the market was telling us and where we needed to go with it. And you know, from there, we started the website. It's got a hub of the whole company, so we're focusing on that first. And our web developer has, has been a great partner for us. And we sat in a room one day and reviewed all of the competitor sites, one after the other, and it's a darkened room. And at the end of it, he said, well, Matt, I have to tell you, there's not a huge amount of great competition in this space. And in the next breath, he asked me if he could invest in the company. And now our <laughs> builder is now an investor as well. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. So from there, you've gone on to, to crowdfunding. And, and the reason for the show today is, is your incredible success with, with the current crowdfunding campaign. At the time of recording, we still have six days left. And where are you at currently with your target? So we're at 189% at the moment. We're on. We're setting out to raise 200,000. We're on 378,000 as of today and hoping to get up over the 200% mark if we can before the end. Incredible. So you've absolutely smashed your target. Before we talk about how you did that, why did you decide that crowdfunding would be the best option to, to fund your growth? It seemed to lend itself to us. I mean, peer -to -peer, it's a way of peer-to-peer -peer funding. and. We're a peer-to-peer -peer business, peer-to-peer -peer charter. So there seems to be a natural affinity for us in that sense. I mean, it works well, particularly for B2C businesses as well, which we are. And I think it works well for companies that are relatively simple to understand quite quickly, which I believe is the case with us as well. So, um, yeah, it just seems like the right fit. Um, we've done two crowd raises this year. Um, the first one was on Angels Den, which was a smaller Angels round. And then this is the big public one on Crowdcube. But yeah, I mean, I think it's something that's relatively simple for people to grasp and understand and perhaps hopefully get get behind it quite quickly. So it seems, you know, it seems to lend itself to it. And what are you planning to do with the money? Okay, so yeah, we've got a whole plan for next year. It's For us, it's about marketing this business to the massive global charter market next year. And bringing new people into boating, we hope. Um, this 2017 has been very much about building the web platform and collating our uh, supply side of boats, now which is over, over 13,000 or so as of today. So we've been sort of head down working a building, and we haven't done a great deal of marketing of the product yet. We've been taking bookings all year, despite not doing it. It's people who've come across us uh, have booked, but... Um, this is about a coordinated marketing strategy next year, PR, digital marketing, boat show appearances, a variety of whole marketing mix to get us out there. And, and obviously, you've, you've proven your, your marketing chops by managing to overfund your, your campaign so much. You know, I always think that crowdfunding is a bit like Ninja Warrior, where you get loads and loads of entrants, but very few people or very few companies actually escape with, with the funding that they need. So... Maybe we can talk about what you've done to get such huge overfunding. So you mentioned that you used, uh, it was an angel list earlier, and, and now you've gone on to, to, to Crowdcube. How did you decide to, on the particular crowdfunding platform which you were going to use? Okay, so yeah, earlier on, we were very early. It was that we were a few months in. We still had a minimum viable product. We were looking for an angel, really, an angel investor, will come in sometimes relatively early 
on the pure belief in the concept and in fact the individuals involved, you know, you know, rather than than a lot than a lot more, which is we didn't have much more than that at the time. We did have a plan and stuff, but at that stage it's very much about, you know, the gut feel and do you back this idea and these people or not, really. And so I think we we felt we were a good fit for an angel early on at that stage. And that we successfully raised earlier in, in April this year, enough to build out the commercial web platform, which was what that round was all about. And we did that. And and later in the year we've got the web platform built. Uh, we've got a lot of boats on there. And we're just, um, you know, on the cusp of, of really needing to market this. And it felt like the right time to go to Crowdcube, which I think is the world's biggest crowdfunding platform. Yeah, so it, we needed the big stage at this one, I think, to really put ourselves out there and do the bigger raise that we were looking for for, our, for a marketing budget next year. And I guess one of the things which is really, really important to the success of the campaign is that is that Crowdcube that kind of pitch page, your profile page, isn't it? Yours is is fantastic. The, the sales copy is, is nicely written and, and there's lots of the kind of investors' top questions being answered there. Were, how did you plan that and, and what did you really want to make sure that you got across on that pitch page? Yeah, I think there are a few things um, on the CrowdCube pitch. The video was, was an important part of it. That's got to be well put together and cover you know, a lot of key points and, and show some of the key people involved. Um, so we spent a bit of time working with a professional filmmaker for that. Yes, we put we put the coffee together and the business plan of financials, etc. One of the other things you may notice on there is the rewards down the bottom, which has been an interesting aspect of this. So we were actually mentioning this Crowdcube round to, to our mailing list of largely sailors, which we've collated through attending a few boat shows this this year. And we've linked investing in borrow a boat to to discounts on on boat charters. Because there's a whole the whole school of thinking. There's a, a great book by Seth Godin called Tribes, which is all about you've got to build your tribe of of core evangelical customers when you when you're starting out. You need to need to sort of try and lock people in as a, a loyal to your company who will promote you far and wide. And I think this is one of the best things about the crowdfunding platform as well as a marketing platform. So we've got. When sailors have invested in borrow a boat, there's a very good chance when they want to book their next boat, they'll do it with us. And they can be a great source of repeat business. So we've kind of linked the round to to chartering boats as well. So if they've invested a certain amount, they can get 10% off their next charter or off their next five charters. And I think that's an important part of it, actually. That kind of soft soft dividend uh, perk of investing is attractive to sailors. And we we want sailors to be investing because we want to lock in sailors as loyal customers to us, you know, and to believe in us. So that was an important part of the campaign as well. You mentioned the video, which is is an easy thing to get very wrong. <laughs> why, why did you choose to do it professionally? And how did you think about what was going to be included in the video? Yeah, I mean, it, it is, you can see the standard of the, the pitch videos on Crowdcube is, is pretty high. And I think if you don't follow suit, you're going to stand out, you know, it's below, below average. So you, there's, a, there's a level of the quality on there that we need to be uh, in line with and, and above if we could. Uh, so we had it professionally shot um, mainly at one of our events uh, that we were exhibiting at the Southampton Boat Show. We wanted to include uh, first-hand testimonials from customers and boat owners and investors who had invested in the company and were investing again. So that, I think that's quite, quite powerful as well, having 
first-hand accounts on the video. I'd recommend that to anyone if you can, who's putting a video together for something like this. And it was a case of don't make it too long because people will switch off after about two or three minutes. I think people lose interest. Even if they've gone on there to look at pictures, it tends to be the case, I'm told. So you've got to get to the point quickly, add enough detail before you lose the audience, um, and and don't get too bogged down in the detail as well. Great advice. Great advice. So as well as Crowdcube, you also did some marketing on LinkedIn you mentioned earlier. So what what was your plan there? Yeah, so around the campaign, there's then been a whole lot of activity that we've done in parallel around um, reaching out to uh, our network through the mailing list, through LinkedIn networks of the main uh, employees in the company and their first, second and third degree networks, reaching out on an angel investment platform. And angel, other angel sites to to other audiences, just to cast the net as far and wide as possible, and it, it ignited a whole series of conversations with a lot of people. Some through the CrowdCube platform itself in the discussion forum, which has been a lively, lively debate in, in the public domain for everybody to see. There's been on LinkedIn a lot of messaging going on, on LinkedIn. There's been people contacted by email, a lot of conversations by email. Uh, lots of phone calls, lots of meetings face-to-face. And I've done a series of talks uh, and events throughout as well. So there's been a a lot of activity to try and uh, reach as many people as possible and answer all their questions, assure them about anything that they were worried about, and hopefully bring them on side. And um, it's been quite quite, uh, all-consuming for a few weeks, but um, we're happy with how it's gone. Yeah, for sure. And... The people who are on your crowdcube page, it says that the the biggest investor has invested twenty five thousand. So obviously, that's a a fairly sizable gamble, I guess. I, I suppose the the meet the investors and meet the founder event was kind of a a great chance of giving these uh, these larger investors a bit more of a sense of the people behind the company, right? Whereas a lot of people might think, oh, it's, you know, this is all online. I, I can just promote it online. I can maybe run some Facebook ads or I can just share it on my LinkedIn page. And they might shy away from the more analog interactions like face-to-face. So how how important do you think that the meetings have been? Oh, it's huge. It's huge, um, hugely important. A lot of investors have said to me, I keep hearing this time and time again, it's not. It's, it's almost all about the founders for a lot of them. They could say they'd rather have a mediocre idea with a with a founder they really like than a great idea with a founder that they're not sure about. And a lot of investors have said that to me. They said they need to meet the founder. And I think it often have felt like people are trying to work out if they can trust me and work with me. I've sort of look at them. They look at you across the table and they're trying to get a measure of you. Is this someone I can work with? Is this someone who's I can trust? Is this somebody who's going to deliver? So there's been a lot of that, and I think anyone who thinks they don't have to meet the investors would be making a mistake. You absolutely got to get on the phone. You've got to go and meet them. I've done lots of meetings with people, but it's great. I mean, you should do it because it increases the chance uh, that they might want to work with you because they get to know the real you. So we did a whole series of meetings in the first few weeks, and then we did, yeah, we hosted a Meet the Founder event, which was on a boat, of course, uh, in St. Catherine's Dock in London last week. Uh, we invited uh, lots of the community to come were interested and we had uh, something like 40 people arrive and I, I did I did a talk there but also did a lot of um, small chats with, with investors 
And yeah, we, two of our largest investments came out of that event in the end um, after people who I spoke to there and followed up with as well. And um, it, was, it was hugely useful. That's awesome. So definitely don't shy away from the analog in-person piece, even if you're planning this kind of thing and you're, you're trying to do it all online. Um, one of the challenges, I guess, of, of a crowd funding campaign and maybe one of the reasons why a lot of them don't succeed is getting that early investment because no one wants to be the first guy right um how did you how did you get those early people and then once you got them how did you start to see things growing as a result yeah it's absolutely true that's very important i think crowdcube crowdcube said if you're not at you need to be around 30% ideally for going live. We were we were about that. We were about 30%. We, we got the first tranches this time from current investors who are reinvesting, fortunately, and one or two others, I think, who came from. We started to, the outreach, um, email, and the mailing list, and to LinkedIn before the round started. And what we did, actually, is we were live in private mode for a little while before we were live publicly. So for just just um, people who were on our mailing list and knew us were given a first look at the, the, the round and had the opportunity to invest before it was public. And through a combination of all of that and the current investors, we were at 30% when they sort of switched it over to public, which was on a, one particular Monday. They turned it to public about 4 p.m. with uh, 30%. And it took off like a rocket and went over fifty percent within about four hours, uh, which was which was extraordinary. Um, but uh, yeah, would, uh, that's one of the most important things. I think there's two really important things to do, and one of them is to have thirty percent sort of in in the bag if you can, because um, yeah, it is a real momentum thing. You could have the same pitch, could be up there with two percent on it, and no one would invest in it, and exactly the same pitch on there with nine to five percent, and everyone would invest in it. It's a real momentum thing, and investors are watching the other investors. The other thing is the valuation, uh, which I think is a key variable that if you don't get it quite right, it can hold you back. And I think that's that's the other one I'd say is very careful, uh, needs careful consideration. Ah, the valuation, the classic uh, dragon's den, you know, I want 5% for 200k and <laughs> laughed out the room before they even start. So once you started to get momentum, how did you capitalize on that? For example, when you hit your funding goal did you do any promotion any marketing around the fact that this was now fully funded and people needed to jump in if they wanted to be part of the overfunding yeah there's been a whole um comms plan throughout the race which um started with you know uh, day one that we were live day day two day three about how it was going sort of day seven how the first week was going and, and what target we were up to and I think we certainly told everyone when we went past 100%. And we, in between that, we dropped in pitch updates and news stories. For example, we had a leading uh, sailing journalist back us, who one of the editors, former editors of the key sailing magazine, um, decided to invest in us because he thought it was the right thing for the industry and was joining our team. So we made uh, a, a video, actually, of him talking about us and did a, a news update on the round about that, which caused kind of reaction so it was a combination of yeah status updates whether you don't want to bore people so you don't want to be too often communicating i think 
every few days is probably about right as long as it's something relevant and then combined with a news story as well and 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 we have to sort of send the, the messaging out through the, all the variety of platforms through linkedin crowdcube email yeah comms is extremely important before during and after and and when the campaign does wrap up in in six days do you have like a, a wrap party or anything planned like what do you do go to sleep for a week <laughs> uh we might um we might have a have a little um celebration some sort we uh, we raised a glass the other night at the meet the founder event because we were past 100 percent at that point so we did a little uh, uh, little raising of a glass that evening um yeah at the end it'll be a case of going through the closeout process and then planning uh, planning the next steps for the new year we'll be right up on christmas by that point uh, but um yeah i'm sure we'll do something i'm curious matt if you were to do this again in january or whatever what would you do differently this time? I think we would follow the same sort of pattern, to be honest, because we're pleased with how it's gone. So we would do the comms plan as we have. We would do the events. What would we do differently? I'm, I'm not sure we'd do a huge amount differently, just because you know, we're still in it and we're pleased with how it's going. So um, the events has been good, and, and linking it to our our base, customer base, maybe, you know, maybe with a there be ways we could have done that even more. But, you know, that's been one of the really important things, I think, because hopefully it will give us a sort of launch into next year. We've got 540 investors invested so far. Lots of them are owed uh, discounts or charters of some sort. So if, if a lot of that 500, those 500 people started booking votes, it gives a great launch into uh, towards next year's bookings target. Interesting. Yes, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, I think our target for next year, if we hit five, if all five hundred investors borrowed a boat, we would be we would have smashed the twenty eighteen bookings target already for the whole company. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a great it's a great uh, marketing tool from that point of view. You know, it can launch you into your your, your next year of sales. It can launch your sales pipeline. And I guess by by bringing on the sailors, the inventory, the suppliers, if you like, as investors, they're also really invested in the company's success. So you've just made 540 influencers who are eager to talk about and promote the brand as well. Yeah, exactly. It's been, it's been shown that people who invest in crowdfunded campaigns often get very passionate about the company they've invested in and are very evangelical and tell their friends about it. And if you were a sailor and you'd invested in Borrow a Boat, you, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be in your interest to book your, your next sailing holiday anywhere else because you'd be going against your own investment, wouldn't you? So, uh, yeah, it, it really has been... I think this is where crowdfunding can be a bit of a, a game-changer, actually, to, to businesses. If you think about it in this way and you link it to... Uh, your main business, you know, you make your investors, your customers and your customers, your investors, then you can sort of slingshot yourself into the post-funding period, hopefully with a, a whole lot of momentum. And, you know, that's just not possible if you've done a private raise with one or two investors. And that's, that's a big difference for me. Very true. Matt, is there anything else that uh, you'd like our listeners to, to know about the campaign or about Borrow a Boat? If any if anyone's looking to borrow a boat, I suppose feel feel free to come and see <laughs> where the boat shows or, or get in touch. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to to share experiences about about crowdfunding. Um, we're we're planning to follow the the well trodden 
path of a tech startup going through seed, seed funding rounds, Series A, and growing, growing the customer base in the same way. And um, I'm a big fan of, of crowdfunding, so I'd really recommend it for the reasons we've said here. Uh, it can really help your business, and it can be. A, I mean, some investors have been slightly questioning sometimes the because the, there is a fee that you obviously have to pay to crowdkick their business as well. And some investors have said, oh, yeah, what, what about this fee you're paying to CrowdCube? And we've said, you've got to view it as a marketing cost, you know, because actually it's given us potentially hundreds of customers. It's been, you know, it's, it's helped with the raise for first and foremost, but then other potential customers and potentially a sling, slingshot into the next year of business. So, I mean, I think that is a great way of spending marketing budget. And I think it should be viewed that way. But uh, otherwise, I'd highly recommend it to anyone who's thinking of doing it. Fantastic, Matt. And where can people find out about you and, of course, Borrow a Boat? Well, borrowaboat.com. That's us. Um, feel free to get in touch with us through there. Info at borrowaboat.com. And we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Matt, so much for sharing your experience. Congratulations again on absolutely smashing the target, mate. And I wish you all the best in your future endeavor. Great. Thanks very much, Tim. It's been a pleasure.